0: Hello, everyone. I'm Jamie Fletchkall, host of People Solve Problems, and today we have a special guest, Dr. Durwood Sobeck. Durwood, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, so we go back quite a ways, but just by way of introduction, uh, vice provost of Montana State University, Bozeman. Um, fun job uh, with lots of, lots of interesting challenges. Uh, you're the author of Understanding A3, co-author of Understanding A3 Thinking, and People always ask, you know, before I wrote *People Solve Problems*, what book about problem solving I'd recommend? And *Understanding A3 Thinking* is is always the first one out of my mouth. So I've always appreciated that book. It's right out of camera view, but it's uh, right here on my shelf. And a long recognized expert in lean product development, it's really helped uh, advance the thinking, and and I think also bring together many different pieces of of the lean product development thought. Uh, environment, uh, community. So, um, and that's part of where we 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 first met is in the lean product development space. So, uh, so let's get into problem solving. You know, lean product development or just product development and research, also in university, are not the only places this happens. But it, you're you're not doing you know sort of precise root cause problem solving. You're working on very open ended and ill defined problems that have unpredicted outcomes. Um, and so, the a different type of problem solving than many people think of when they're pulling a book off the shelf on problem solving. Um, so maybe you can help explain how that type of problem solving is different, how it's special, what makes it hard, what makes it it better. Uh, what's that problem solving like?
1: Yeah, thanks, Jamie. It's uh, it's definitely an area that uh, folks have had a lot of interest in over the years. Uh, but not necessarily, you know, the lean community as much. As you said, uh, the lean community kind of tends to focus on um, problems that they can get their hands around, uh, do a nice job defining that problem, and then drilling down to root cause using a systematic approach, usually hopefully data-driven, <laughs> yeah. um, really establish that cause and effect. Um, and it's not that the ill structured problems don't have that as a basis to it, but that's oftentimes not the starting point. So <clears throat> usually an ill structured or open-ended problem, there's uh, a couple of things. Uh, first is you're usually trying to meet some sort of need. Uh, and so it's more often opportunity uh, that that you recognize more so than um, I have this very specific problem that I'm trying to solve a machine that's Kind of yield problem or something like that. It's a little bit more, uh, gee, uh, it would be great if we could come up with a better way to keep coffee warm while I'm riding my bike to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and without, you know, so you start thinking about that that sort of problem. And uh, the interesting thing about it is you don't know where it's going to go. Um, usually you don't understand where the solutions are. And uh, and for that reason, it's really difficult to sort of do any sort of root cause problem solving, necessarily. So very much a discovery process uh, involved uh, with that. So uh, because of that, um, what you're gonna, well, at least what I found in 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 coaching teams and how to do this, doing it myself, and then also reading the literature on uh, this stuff is that you'll spend a lot of time gathering information about users. Mm -hmm. And so you may have heard of um, UX, user experience, from different, mostly software realm, but really understanding uh, how users use your product or use your solution or how they're using existing solutions and what's what, what their what their problems are. So what you're really trying to do is get those insights <laughs> that nobody else has seen. Yeah. And so to do that requires observation, oftentimes uh there and so that what I found is really understanding your stakeholders and this network of needs there. And usually what happens is that uh through uh Looking at it through a bunch of different lenses, typically there'll be a small set of those needs that become salient and the things that you want to key on in trying to address this problem. So that's kind of the first step is really understanding what the what the needs of whoever is going to be affected by this solution that you're eventually going to come up with. Yep. And that needs to be the starting point. So you're not really starting with the problem. You're starting with the people. And so I think that really, I uh, you know when you talked about people solving problems, you could add another subtitle: for people, right? Four people, right. <laughs> because ultimately it's uh, you know you're trying to provide a solution that that users can then can then uh, deploy, implement, use, and make some aspect of their life better." Yeah. So that's that's one aspect that's that's different. Um, the second is that. Uh, because it's, it's open-ended and, and ill-structured, one of the things that you're going to do is look for solutions in a lot of different places. And uh, so you want to come up with a lot of ideas because you want to have a creative solution. It's the creative solution that's, that no one else thought of that's going to lead to um, that breakthrough idea. And um that process is rarely linear. And in fact, uh, that's one of the things that uh, some of the folks at uh, Stanford and their D school and uh, some of the early folks there, you know, they they realize, you know, you got to come up with the crazy ideas that will never work, not because those ideas are going to work, but because that nonlinear process sparks additional ideas or provide additional insights that will lead to ideas that will work. Yeah, so it's so sometimes uh, folks that are sort of engineer trained or in other disciplines similar to that, um, they tend to want to take kind of a linear process to solving this. When in fact it's it, it isn't. <laughs> right. So uh, so you come up with a lot of ideas. So that's the other aspect of uh, solving these uh, ill-structured problems. First is really. You know, trying to understand your users' second lots of ideas, and then it's a matter of how do you match those up, right? How do you figure out which ideas are going to meet which user needs and which ones the uh, better? Mm-hmm. And um, so that's that's really the second sort of maybe I say probably the third phase of of this problem solving is that you say, okay, well, um, how do we how do we how do we do that? And there's various techniques for doing that. But typically what you want to do is instantiate that solution in some way so that the user can interact with it. Mm-hmm. And then it gives you some sort of feedback uh, on that, which will then give you listen even more insights into their needs. It provides insights into the quality of idea. And you can sort of uh, walk your way through these different modes uh, as the process, as you sort of Mindful of the process, you're mindful of these modes. And so maybe you need to understand user needs a little bit more, maybe you need to generate more ideas. Maybe it's evaluation. I need to prototype and test whatever it is. and uh, and those solutions start to develop and and uh, and form. And hopefully you've got this nice uh, cross section of of uh, user need and solution that have this perfect marriage. And off you go with this wonderful idea.
0: Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that that happens. I think the the hardest part of that is is not knowing when it's going to happen, uh, yes. because it's it's unpredictable and nonlinear. Um, so you know, in, in my book, I, I I write about creativity. I write about intuition. These aren't steps in a process, as you kind of said. It's uh, these things happen in in different places and unexpected places. So, what would be your advice? I know there's there's some problem solving schools of thought that help with this exploration of solutions. I know trees is, was popular for, you know, exploring how nature solves problems. And of course, design thinking is, is, is around experimentation and things like that. But for, especially for folks that are used to a very linear problem solving method, what's your advice for helping them break out of that and to think, more broadly, about finding solution space and uh, solutions in unexpected places.
1: Oh, that's a, that's a great question, Jamie. Um, what we do with students is uh, try to expose them to some uh, methods for for idea generation. So there are actually formal methods out there that you can use to generate new ideas, and. Uh, uh, you can actually just google that <laughs> ideation techniques if you google ideation techniques you'll get uh countless websites that will list different tools that you can use some will be you know more appealing to you than others uh but they're all sort of aimed at uh using a method to to break you out of your normal uh brainstorming what what is sort of I don't know why it's uh, human nature for, well, I shouldn't say it's not necessarily human nature. It's natural for a large segment of people to get stuck on one idea. We yeah. call that design fixation. And there's a lot of us out there that's just hard to get off of the one idea that I think is going to work great. Mm-hmm. And so what these techniques do is they try to help you break out of those. There are also um, uh, usually group techniques because it usually works better uh, in a group setting. You get the social interaction and it's the interaction between people that oftentimes produces that really interesting insight or, or
0: really intriguing
1: idea. So that makes it a lot of fun then.
0: Yeah. Now and that, that design fixation is, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you're designing a new factory, a product, a business model, strategy and org design, you know, whatever the first thing you draw is, and you're like, "That looks good." You know, you start just iterating off of it. Um, I, I guess is is that is that easier to avoid, or is it easier to kind of just accept it's going to happen and then break out of it once it does? Yeah. <laughs> I would try to avoid it. <laughs> so if it if it would uh, if it
1: would be me, I'd recognize that's a pothole out there that I want to try to miss rather than hit the pothole and then pick up the nuts and bolts later. <laughs> yeah. So recognizing that design fixation is a real thing that can happen in groups, we call it groupthink, And I'm sure right. we've all experienced that where everyone gets tr- tracking on a certain wavelength and then become the danger of that, of course, is then you get blinded to other things that might be happening or that might uh, be potentialities, uh, Whether it's a risk or a failure mode that you didn't anticipate, or um, just an opportunity that you forewent, you know, Mm -hmm. so that groupthink is also something to is just another way of saying uh, fixation, and um, yeah, so anticipating that that's a real danger for the group, and setting out from the outset to say, you know, we need to make sure that we have a nice set of ideas. Um. And uh so let's let's make sure that we set up our process to to do that. And so we'll, you know, introduce that technique before you get locked in uh on that on that idea. And honestly, it's it's hard. I mean, we've been working with this group to uh change the way we do some registration. There's a particular individual who had a very strong idea about how we ought to do that. And it was really difficult to break out of that. I'm not sure that we hundred percent did. Uh <laughs> but uh So it is a challenge uh, to do that, but I think uh, the benefits uh, 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 would be there. The other thing that um, I think is helpful too is to have a, you know, after you've got a set of ideas, a lot of people recognize, oh, I've got this set of ideas now, now let's pick one and see if we can make that work. And I would encourage folks, where they're dealing with these ill-structured problems, see, it's a learning process. So you're learning as much about the problem as you are about the solution. And so they kind of co-evolve together. And uh, so you're learning about the solution space, if you will. Um, And if you select a solution very early, you're doing it at a a place where you have the least amount of information Mm -hmm. about that design space. So what I would encourage you to do is rather than trying to pick your best idea, is eliminate the worst. So go through an elimination process and sort of the last idea standing is by definition going to be your best idea. There's a lot less risk associated with that than than trying to pick the best one. The odds of you picking the best one early is pretty slim, actually. But the odds of eliminating the best one early is almost nil. (laughs) So if you can say, okay, let's do a quick evaluation with the information we have, um, and let's eliminate those ideas that we can safely eliminate now based on the knowledge we have, rather than guessing at what the best solution is. Then taking that what's left and say, okay, what can we learn about these for the next phase, and so you had mentioned earlier about how it's kind of like doing this on a timeline is really hard. Yeah. If you're in an organization, you have to do it on a timeline. You're going to be, there's going to be a deadline. I have to deliver by this date or I have to, you know. So this is how you can kind of do that is is uh, <clears throat> you can say, okay, um, we'll need to have our next um, narrowing decision. Let's try and do that. Let's say in three weeks. All right what can we learn about each of these alternatives in the next three weeks that will be that will inform that decision mm-hmm. and sort of time box that so you don't go um you know too far down a rabbit hole or right. any one of these but you get enough information that now okay I can now safely eliminate these ideas and that the and the number of alternatives that you're thinking about I gradually narrows. now sometimes, uh, when you do that, the best solution becomes obvious. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, this is this is what we need to do. Right. Um, but if you uh, get yourself locked in the box too early and then you're trying to iterate to a solution, you may have picked a solution where you can't actually get to where you want to be from that solution because there's some fundamental limitation uh, with that idea. And so uh, it's much better than to... Uh, Take this more gradual narrowing process, learn about the solution space. That will also help you deepen your understanding of what issues are there and they complement each other and then you can make a better decision going forward. Everyone feels confident about it. A lot of times in that, you know, pick a best, it's not usually, it's oftentimes not based on data or information. It's often based off of personalities in the room, right? You know, it's the person who sounds the most confident. Yep. And, you know, we're we're really interested in diversity of perspectives and opinions. And, uh, you know, the person who sounds the most confident is probably not the diversity member of the group, just, yeah. just saying, you know. So usually, you know, to make sure that all those voices get in there, uh, this elimination process, I think, works better at trying to get all those voices out so that people aren't shut down by
0: their most dominant personality in the room. Yeah, I think that's that, that's that's important. I've also found tools that allow for asynchronous, you know, idea generation. Help help with that as well. And
1: oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, those asynchronous. Yeah, I've had a lot of success with that. Um, and big fan.
0: Big fan. Thank big you for doing
1: that.
0: so. I'll ask you. I'll ask you one last question. That it might be a hard to answer. So I ask it in two ways. But the the goal of that, you know, going from ideas to to selection the 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 whole thesis of what you just said is we should spend more time there right um how should I think about more time is it a percentage of the overall project is it measured in time or is there any advice how to just spend more time uh you know s- slowing that down uh so because we we're all on a race to get to an answer, right and and there's this urgency to get there. So how, how should we think about how to slow or how much we slow down that part of the process?
1: You know, that's that's a great question uh, because we think that when we have uh, tight time constraints, the thing that we need to do is to decide quickly. And that's actually a paradox. Yeah. Because what happens is then uh, you eat up all of the rest of your time trying to make that solution work through iteration. And, um, yeah, that, that can be very expensive indeed if you're working with, uh, in an organizational context, for example, where you have a number of different teams working on the same solution or, or working on different solutions that all need to piece together mm-hmm. because one team's iterating and you know, making changes to their idea it impacts the work of other people. Yes. And there's techniques you can do to sort of buffer that, but, but nonetheless, that's a dynamic that's really challenging. Um, so we can give you a few rules of thumb, which may or may not be helpful, <laughs> you start? But, uh, but one of the rules of thumb that we, we, we found works well is, um, do we have enough information to make this decision confidently? So that's one of the things you can look at. And if the answer is no, then you should seriously consider getting more data, more information, in order to improve your confidence that you're making a good decision there. Now, maybe you, you know, at some point you can't always eliminate the uncertainty, but uh, I think the default with most American teams is that they want to make that decision too, you know, faster than they should mm-hmm. uh, on these things, and that really um, they would probably do well to uh, slow it down. And so making that default of saying, okay, let's let's take it one step. <laughs> so that would be the other sort of sort of uh rule of thumb is well normally we would have made it by this point and then iterate, okay, well, let's extend this by now pick your time frame, of course. Can we do it in a month? Can mm-hmm. we delay it? what would happen then? And if everything uh sort of lines up there, then you can say, um, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and delay that, get that additional information because we're going to make a better decision and save that um, on the back end uh, of the thing. So it's uh, it's a little bit – it's it's sometimes tough for uh, managers especially, but also teams to sort of realize that taking it slow at the beginning to really understand what we're doing and get a good set of solutions that uh, we understand is going to help us make a, a – uh, more informed, so better decision. And that will actually save us on the back end because the quality of that solution is going to be better, which saves us in the long run. Yeah. You know, it's sort of like that investor early to save on the back end. And that's a little bit difficult of an argument to make uh to some people. It's just because it's hard to quantify and got to take a little bit on a leap of faith. And of course there's always the probability, right? There's always a chance that if I guessed right, <laughs> right. then I would then I'll do better yeah uh, and uh but uh and and I can't eliminate that completely, but I would say in general, those two rules of thumb seem to help a lot you know do we have the knowledge we need right now and can we get that over the next you know pick your time frame two weeks, four weeks, whatever it would be, but time box that so that it's not completely open-ended in terms of time Yep. and then the second is uh maybe just incrementally uh. Step into those waters. So rather than going completely over to say we're gonna <clears throat> go to this uh, really uh, long elongated convergence process, how about we just extend it by ten percent or twenty percent from what we've typically done? Yeah. So that that sometimes helps, and and then if you get some uh, benefit from that, then the next time you could extend it a little bit more, and, and then sort of. Uh, reach that point diminishing returns and then you can say okay, I think we've I think we found our sweet spot here. So and of course there's always that little bit of intuition <laughs> and a little so, little bit of
0: intuition goes a long way.
1: Yeah, so that's you got to trust your intuition and gut feel a little bit but uh, that's kind of it's a really good question and that's uh, a little bit while we're doing some research on to sort of figure out, okay, uh, how can we take this sort of ill-structured open-ended problem, and uh, and put some management tools on this so that we can manage that convergence process a little bit more. You know, figure out okay, you know, where do you want to gather that info? How can you uh, set up some metrics to do that? So, we're, I don't think anybody has the uh, the answer right now. So we're we're trying to do a little bit of research on that. So maybe you know, in a year or two, we can come back and tell you yeah. what we learned.
0: So that'd be great. Well, I think you articulated the the cost of of deciding too quickly very clearly and. And I love ending on a couple of heuristics. I think that's a, a great way to help help guide people um, as they move forward. So uh, really, really interesting stuff. Thanks for coming on and sharing your perspective. Uh, there's a little lot of people dealing with these problems. They just don't even realize they're doing problem solving. And I think this will help people open up their aperture about how to think about this work deliberately. Excellent.
1: It's
0: been fun. It's a great conversation. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for listening to the People Solve Problems podcast. Let's keep the conversation going. Visit JFlinch.com for more episodes and other content. And continue to join us on your podcast app, of course. We greatly appreciate your feedback through reviews and ratings. Consider expanding your understanding of problem-solving with Jamie's book, People Solve Problems, The Power of Every Person, Every Day, Every Problem. Available on Amazon. Until next time, keep learning, innovating, and solving problems.